Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, 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 a good, pleasant Thursday morning to you. Turns out, in order to run an internet show, you need internet. And uh, the past five minutes, we've had an issue with that. Just as Elliot's had an issue with that cough for the last three months. But I'm Trace Fowler. This is Off the Bench, and it is presented by United Dairy Farmers. Uh, I'll tell you one thing that the uh, Cincinnati Reds fan base and the Cincinnati Bengals fan base, and maybe just maybe all of Cincinnati is good at, collectively. We're really good at counting the season as dead. It was dead. It felt dead. We'll get into that. The next four days in Cincinnati, though, if we can be serious for a half a second on this show, is what we like to call around here nut-cutting time. It's where the rubber meets the road. It's the line in the sand. It's do or die. It's our coming to Jesus moment. On Tuesday morning when you wake up, the Bengals could have scored 35 points just uh, the last night. Burrow seems like he's back. The Bengals are back. Just got off to a slow start, but, uh, but, but the boys are back in town and all is well. Reds could be one game up in a wild card race with five games to play. Or, Bengals are 0-3. Burrow still looks like he's not right. Reds are three and a half games back with five games to play. And we're all, quite frankly, at that point, just making up excuses on what we're looking forward to. That is what's right in front of us. The Bengals play on Monday night, so all the traditional things that we would see on a Wednesday have been pushed to Thursday, you know, like the injury report, media day. Although media day, if we're being quite frank, it's, uh, it's more or less, you don't get a whole lot from it, do you? But you do get something from the injury report, at least a little bit. So we'll keep an eye on that. But it appears Joe Burrow's calf will not keep him from playing on Monday night. Let's start with yesterday. The Reds blew a near-perfect start from Hunter Green. Hunter went seven innings, gave up three hits, one earned run, 14 strikeouts, 14 strikeouts. It was his career high in the youngest Red to accomplish that feat in 56 years. How does that happen and you lose? Well, I'll tell you why. The offense has been an issue for a little while. Yesterday was no different. Reds had six hits, the most meaningful one being a CES home run. The very thing that kept the Reds in this race, the bullpen, burned them yesterday. They gave up four runs in the last two innings, including three in the top of the ninth. Alexis Diaz didn't have it, didn't even make it out of the inning. Sam Ball had to come in, couldn't quite get the job done. Next thing you know, Reds lose. A game in which you felt like they dominated from the start. 
They held, they had control, they just couldn't quite finish the job. We have Red's talk at the top of this show, and it will take up probably a decent amount of it. We'll have mailbags. We'll have locals at 11. Power rankings, buy or sell. And then draft or die. Sometimes I wonder if I want to win the draft or die. Fellas, Reed, the well-known Twins fan, was in attendance yesterday. And to be fair to Reed, there's one thing that he did know. As much as he did want the Twins to win in his heart of hearts, just as I wanted the Pirates to whip their ass yesterday in, in Wrigley. And they did, by the way. The Pirates just took them to the woodshed. And saved the season, some are saying. He held himself together. He was very respectful. I really appreciate that out of him. Although he did wear the Twins jersey, because that's what he does. He's a troll at the end of the day. Do, 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 do. I'm sure that'll come <laughs> out today at will. But Reed, I hope you had a, had, a, had a wonderful day yesterday. I'm sure that the day went better than the night. Uh, hi, yeah. Hi, my name's Nicholas Reed Mouse. You can call me Nicky Mouse. I've got uh, two golden retrievers. And yeah, yesterday at the ballpark, uh, was uh, I tried to I tried to play my best. I, I tried to I, I realized that one I enjoy my job and if I wanted to keep it I probably shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be cheering. At one point I think they they tied the game up and I stood up and started clapping just very quietly and I was sitting right behind Trace and and Elliot looked right at me and said sit down. I did. I, I obliged. <laughs> so uh, Elliot, how are you? Yeah, I've been better, but this is this is where we are. The Reds are, are trying to fight their way, claw their way back into a race, which, quite frankly, they have no business being in. They've, they've played bad for quite some time now. They've, they've played better this month. They've fought for us a little bit here. And at the end of the day, they've made September baseball meaningful again in Cincinnati. So that's all I can ask for. But, yeah, yesterday was great. We got there. We were, we were in control of the whole game. Hunter Green became the pitcher that you paid X amount of dollars to that everybody was complaining about. He was unbelievable. Offense just didn't have – I mean, the offense isn't good. I mean, I, I don't know what to say. I thought yeah, they were back a little bit. They just don't show up. Reed said it yesterday during the game. It was like even the hits the Reds were having outside of the CES home run just weren't, weren't anything. We had Will Benson getting an RBI or a triple to start off an inning because two outfielders couldn't communicate with one another. So it's just, it's just where we are right now. You have to fight through it. You have eight games left. Got to win six. Have to win six. If you don't win six, you're out. I think the Reds got very they – were, they were very fortunate yesterday with the Cubs and, and the Marlins. Golly. But – so it's basically – we basically didn't lose up any ground. Basically, that game yesterday just didn't happen, and that's how I'm going to have to sleep at night. So that game yesterday didn't exist. It just sucks. We, I think that's the second game of the year uh, where the Reds had a lead past the eighth inning and blew it. That's the second. That's only the second game that's happened this year. The other game was way early on in, against the Phillies. So it's tough. It's tough, but you got to get right back on track tomorrow. You got to take care of the Pirates. Two, two, and two. Two, two, and two. Two against the Guardians. Two against the Pirates. Two against the Cardinals. You're in the playoffs, maybe. 
I, I love what you just did there. I mean, you just bought yourself as much time as one humanly possibly could while, right. while Case McAllister was trying to figure out something that's going on. <laughs> when he's doing that, I don't know whether or not you can hear us on the show or not, to be quite frank with you. I, you, we may, we may, you may be able to hear us, you may not. There might just be a little fuzz in the air, too, that maybe he's bothering him and you have no clue about. But nonetheless, Elliot just bought about every bit of a minute and a half right there and just kept kept segueing, segueing, segueing to finally get back here. Here's where, uh, here's where I'm at with the Reds. Um, they are who they are. They, they're, they're in a position now where they are literally on fumes. And the question is, is uh, can you get a little bit lucky at the end of the year and find a way to get into the postseason? That's, that's what it is. And they fortunately, and I know that people think, oh, would you rather play a team that's right in front of you? Would you rather have a three-game set with the Diamondbacks this weekend to where if you can sweep them or take two or three, you find yourself in a position where you probably make the postseason? I know it sounds wild. Maybe I'll get crushed for saying it. I don't. I don't, because I've, I've watched the diamond, I've watched the baseball being played by some of these teams that are trying to make the postseason, like the Marlins. The Cubs are the, the exception to the rule here. But the Marlins and the Diamondbacks, those are the two teams, quite frankly, that are playing pretty, pretty well. They're playing pretty well. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with the idea of playing pretty bad teams down the stretch. Also, the notion that some of these guys might be resting their starters or getting their bullpen right or getting their starters right for the postseason because they're such a good team that they're, you know, they're basically at the back end of their year that they can do such things like the Brewers, like the Dodgers. Those are the types of teams that we might come to rely on uh, to, to try to win some meaningful games to allow the Reds to get into the postseason. I'd much rather other teams have to play the teams that are really, really good than to, than to play the Pirates, the Guardians, and the Cardinals. Everything that you would like was right in front of them yesterday, and they, they just didn't, they didn't find a way to win, did they? They didn't find a way to win. And there's a lot of different plays you can point back to as the reason as to why they didn't win. And there's a lot of things that, you know, ultimately you can get on a manager about and, and, it, and it be somewhat of a, of a fair argument. And there's some things that you just have to admit that it's a tough call either way. There is going to be a portion of the crowd that believes their ideology of way they believe of how you manage a game is one way, and there's going to be a whole other crowd another way. Some crowd goes off of feel. Some crowd goes off of pure splits and analytics and the statistical nature of the game, and both can be true and both can be right on any given day. The thing that I would hearken back in saying when it comes to whether you keep Hunter Green in or whether you take him out, is what is it exactly that's going on in the dugout at that said moment in time? Clearly, we were at the game yesterday, which means we're not privy to what they show on a broadcast, which more times than not can lead to some insight that you're not knowledgeable about while you're at the stadium. If David Bell asked Hunter Green multiple times how he was feeling during that inning, and Hunter told him that, you know, maybe it was getting stiff because it was a 25-minute long inning or whatever it may be, and that's the reason he did not go back out there in the eighth, then you have to live with that. Whether you like that answer or not, you have to live with that because that's ultimately the decision of the guy that's going out there, not the decision of David Bell. But the thing that's concerning, doesn't scare me, but concerns me, is you have a guy that looked as dominant as he did yesterday. I don't know why you even have to ask the question of whether or not that person wants to go back out there. Am I, is it crazy for me to think 
that if the that I should be I, I'm a little concerned that if Hunter Green was fine physically, but he just felt a little exhausted, perhaps, whatever term you want to use, and he said that he wanted to come out of the game, I'm almost more concerned about that than I would have been if he went back out there and gave up a couple runs. Because at some point, the top-line guy, the guy that you're going to rely on to win the biggest games, has to have a different mindset. They have to have the elite mindset that is, I'm that guy. And yesterday, Hunter Green was that guy. And he looked like it. So I'm going to tell you right now that I just don't believe that Hunter Green said that he wanted to come out of that game. I'm also not going to believe after the game when he says, well, that was the right decision. I'm glad that Hunter Green took the PR classes that they taught him, perhaps, when he first came into the league, that you don't want to call out your manager or say that it was a bad decision right in the middle of a postseason race and stir up controversy that's, that doesn't need to exist. The truth is, it was a tough decision. You're not going to hear me really get all fired up one way or the other on what they should have done or shouldn't have done. Because if Hunter Green goes back out there, he's sitting at 92 pitches. If he does give up one base runner, you're taking him out of the game. We all know that he was on his last, last, last chance. The leash was very short. So one guy gets on, you're sitting at 98, 99 pitches or whatever, whatever it would have ended up being. There's no question David Bell goes to the pin. He brings Ian Jabot in. And then now you have a situation where Ian Jabot is a guy that has struggled mightily with inherited runners. He's been elite. He's been elite when he comes into a fresh inning. So there's no doubt that that has crossed David, David Bell's mind. So now you find yourself in a position where you can understand both sides, right? Do you ask Hunter Green to continue to go out there when he might be a little gassed? He gives up a base runner, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in a position where you're bringing another guy into a bad situation? Or do you just say, you know what, I'm going to trust what has been true all year, and this bullpen has been good as it gets. Ian Jabot, as good as it gets. And for all the folks that think, oh, crazy, you know, the Reds still took a lead into the ninth inning with a one-run lead with Alexis Diaz coming out of the pen. So it's not even like Ian Jabot completely blew the game. I know you hate me for saying it. I know you're tired of hearing me say it. I'm going to say it one last time. You're not going to win many games when you score three runs. You're just not. And in order for this team to find a way to win some of these meaningful games, it's going to require somebody to get a big hit with two outs. couple situations I want to run through from yesterday that I think are very, very important that I don't know if get talked about enough because everybody wants to talk about the Hunter Green, Ian Jabot, what do you do at the back end of that game situation? Jake Fraley and Joey Votto. These guys obviously are, are in their own reason, they get a little bit of a longer leash for their own different reasons. One reason is, is one guy's been the best Reds hitter all year long. The other reason is one guy's maybe been the best Reds player of many people's generations. What do you do? You're going to have one side of the argument that says this is Joey Votto's last homestand. He's playing. He's playing. 
And you're going to have a one side of the aisle that says they don't give a damn about his last home stand. We're trying to make the postseason. Put the best players in there. I'm not saying Joey Votto has to sit, but he can't play with Jake Fraley right now. There's two guys that just aren't getting it done at the plate, and they're both left-handed. Two plays. Two plays yesterday that I think were the difference. That aren't really talked about a lot. I'll go in chronological order. The first play was Nick Senzel going into the game for whatever reason, I don't know. If you want to tell me that Nick Senzel's a good defensive replacement, he's that much of a better defensive replacement over CES at third base, be my guess, but that's just a horrible way of looking at it, in my opinion. Now, I didn't see the whole thing, but I have two guys that were sitting right next to me said they've seen the whole thing go down of what happened yesterday. We were sitting right there, down the third base line, just beyond the third base coach. Watkins was his name because I was yelling at him, telling him that somebody swung <laughs> earlier in the game. Kyle Farmer standing at second base. Kyle Farmer's not a guy that probably steals a whole lot of bases, does he? Especially when a left-hander's at the plate. Especially when there's a guy on first and second with one out. And you're down a run. Nick Sinzel, for whatever godforsaken reason, was hamming it up a little bit with Kyle Farmer. Probably because they're buddies. They played together. He's, he shifted over, right? Because they always got to have that shift. He shifted way over, so he's pretty far from third base. He's kind of, you know, hollering it. Kyle Farmer. And then you see Watkins walk up the line a little bit. And he does one of these numbers. It, it, it literally was that. That's what happened. Watkins walks down the line, looks at Sinzel, sees how far away from me is from third base, looks back at Kyle Farmer, and he goes like this. And that pitch, Farmer takes off. The goal was not to steal the base on Maley. That wasn't the goal. The goal was to steal the base on Nick Senzel because he either one wasn't paying attention or was so off position that he wasn't going to get to third base in time, and he didn't. He didn't. Maley hesitates, makes a throw. Throw wasn't perfect, wasn't bad, but wasn't perfect. And Sinzel was late to the bag, didn't get the, getting, didn't get the tag down in time. And next thing you know, now you got second, third, you got to bring the infield in, and you got a world of hurt. It's, it's, it's inexcusable, in a way, how a guy that just never gets a chance to play misses a mental error. That's a mental error. It's a mental error. It's not physical. It's mental. You're just not present in a baseball game in being aware of your surroundings and knowing, hey, I probably need to get a little bit closer to this bag or I need to pay attention right as the pitch is about to go whether or not the guy at second is going to steal. Because if he does, I got to make a hard break for third. The second play is this. Noelve Marte walks. The Twins give us a freebie. You get free 90 bases in baseball, it makes a difference. You get to second base, 
Joey Votto's got to find a way to get to third. He's got to find a way to get Mart, uh, excuse me, Marte to third base. Or it was Sinzel, excuse me. I'm sorry. Sinzel led the inning off. Sinzel gets the second on a pass ball. So to be clear, because I butchered that. Sinzel walks. Sinzel gets the second on a pass ball. Marte comes up after Joey. Joey's unable to get him over to third base. Marte comes in after Joey and hits a hits a, a chopper right over the pitcher's mound for the most part, right? And the second baseman made a great play. I, I'm not going to sit here and act like he didn't. The second baseman made a great play. Picks the ball on a short hop, throws the guy out at first. Next thing you know, you got two outs. Tough spot for Will Benson. Guy on third base, not able to get him in. If Votto's able to get him over, I'd venture to guess that he gets him in. Got a two-run lead now instead of a one-run lead. And everything changes. So, you wash it, you get rid of it, you move on. But those are the differences between winning and losing in games that matter. And I just start to question or I ask, are we in a position yet or where are we at with the Reds? On when do you decide, you know what, I'm going to have to put away what the last 100 and some odd games have been. I know that, I know that for all intents and purposes that Jake Fraley has been the best player or the best hitter at least on this team. But he does have a broken toe now. <laughs> and he's looked pretty bad for three weeks. I know Joey Vada's had a Hall of Fame career. But he's not been very productive either. And I get it. Someone's going to say, oh, he got two hits the other day. Okay, well, how are we going to play this game where he gets two hits, but then you forget about everything he's done for a month? Elliot, one of these days, we'll go down to Great American Ballpark <laughs> yeah. for a major baseball game, and we'll walk around with extreme joy after the game. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, unfortunately. We're just cursed. I'm going to get a swig of water real quick. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, yesterday was brutal. I've lost three straight Cincinnati sports games, one with Reed, two with Trace. Some are saying I'm the curse. I hope I'm not. The thing about, the thing about Jake Fraley and Joey Votto right now is that there's no better options. I'm looking at the roster right now. Stuart Fairchild's not a better option. Nick Martini's not a better option. So at that rate, we have nothing. If you want to say Jose Barrera should be up, I would agree with you. Jose Barrera should be up right now. But at this point, it's too late. We have a week left of the season. You have to roll with what you have. Jake Fraley's been the best hitter of the year. He's fighting his ass off right now. He's playing with a broken toe. Has he been good the, the past two weeks? Nope. Nope. He's been bad. He's been really bad. Joey Votto, same deal. But you look around the lineup, and, and it's just – Jonathan India has been bad too. So everywhere you go, the, the lineup's just not cooking – Spencer Steer, CES, Noelvi, and Will Benson are the guys that are kind of keeping the, keeping the team together right now. TJ Friedel as well. But there's no better options off the bench. There's no better option. If you want to say Joey Votto shouldn't play, that's fine. But we have, no, we have nothing to replace him with. We have no better option. If you, if you put CES at first, that's fine. If you say CES is the first baseman all the way home, that's good. And you can take Joey off the bench. I don't hate that strategy. But we have guys like Nick Senzel and Stuart Fairchild who, quite frankly, cost this team games. So I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that there's a ton of better options than what we have. So play with it. Play, hope, they, hope they succeed. 
Otherwise, I'd bring up Jose Barrero if you want to do that, but I'd argue it's too late. So I, 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 at this point, we are who we are. Trey said it earlier. It's not going to change because you take out Joey Votto. It's not going to change because you take out Jake Fraley. It's not. So fight through it. Try to get lucky. The issue with luck is that it runs out, and it appears our luck has run out. We had the month. We had that stretch where we went like 28 and 10, and it really carried us all the way here. But other than that, the Reds have not been good. So outside of that one stretch, and it was a big stretch. It's not like you, we can't just pick apart and say these little stretches don't mean anything because they do. Every, every part of the season matters. If you have a really good stretch at a, at a point in the season, it's going to matter. But right now, it's just not that team. We aren't that team. And there's we're, one we're, reason. We're missing guys left and right. There's one reason that we're not that team. His name's Ellie De La Cruz. Like you're not, that's what it is. You can say he's a flash in the pan. You can say whatever you want. But the truth is, is that's the difference maker. If Ellie De La Cruz plays even average baseball of what I think he's capable of doing, this team turns into a whole other dynamic. It allows you to do things offensively that I don't think that you're capable of doing right now, right? You just said that there's no replacement for Jake Fraley and there's no replacement for Joey Votto. I'd argue that there is. And I'd argue that that solution is a guy that's not been playing all that well, and hopefully on two days off he comes back and he can carry the load. And that's Ellie De La Cruz. Yesterday, and I'm not going to actually tell you to go click on the article because that's the point of the whole entire thing. There's these things called clickbait. We all know what they are. The whole point of it is to try to stir the pot, get people interested in something. You click on the article. Those ads, or excuse me, those clicks ends up adding up to a certain total that then you get paid for because there's advertisements on that page. That's the game that's played. The click business. There was an article yesterday on WCPO. If you didn't see it, here is at least the headline. Ellie De La Bust. One of the most exciting players in baseball. The electricity has dulled to a spark. Well, funny enough, that's just what this team needs, you idiot. They do need a spark. Dulled to a spark is the first question I have. A spark means there's still electricity. If you want to say it burnt out, cool. We're on the same page. But you want to say it's dulled to a spark? I'm not following you. I get the point of the article. I understand the concept that they're going for. Mr. Mo says it, says, it, says it relatively well. Screw WCPO for that article they wrote about Ellie. I'm with you, Mr. Mo. I don't understand what the point of that even is. Do you need to get clicks? Do you have to get clicks? Is it just laziness? What's the point? All, all we ever do around here, it feels like, and maybe this is what happens in every city, and maybe Trace is just being so crazy in regards to this thought. But why do you always feel like you need to tear somebody down that hasn't deserved that type of criticism yet? Ellie De La Cruz is playing on a rookie deal. Ellie De La Cruz gave this city 
two and a half weeks that they'll never probably forget, quite frankly. And also, on top of that, without Ellie De La Cruz, there would be no baseball talk at all for the last three and a half, four weeks. Do you remember the 28 and 10 stretch? Do you remember the 12 game win streak? Do you remember all that? That was largely because of Ellie De La Cruz. Do you know why this team is faltering down the end? It is because of Ellie De La Cruz. To sit here and act like it's Ellie De La bust, as if he's the sole reason as to why this team's struggling at the end, is crazy. I would say he's the reason that this team even has a semi-chance, and the reason that you think they don't have a chance is because he's not playing well. Is it frustrating at times watching a rookie make mistakes? Yeah. Is it kind of uh, easy to jump on the defensive when you have everybody that's somebody in this town that wants to jump on him and act like he's the best baseball player in the world? Perhaps, yes. Should he have a stake at Jeff Ruby's already? I don't know. But to sit here and put out a notion that, that a kid that's 21 years old That's, that started the year in the minors, that two years ago, really, if we're being honest, nobody even really knew outside of the diehards who he even really was. In fact, we had a guy that everybody touts as this huge Reds fan that didn't even know who he was back when they were starting to win some baseball games because he told you that Jonathan India was the team leader and Ellie De La Cruz, who is that guy? We don't need him. And now all of a sudden, after what? A month of bad baseball, he's a bust? Get a clue. I get the point of it. I understand the clickbait stuff. It's why journalism is going to die. It literally is that. You think I'm being high? That's not hyperbole, people. You wonder why digital media takes off? You wonder why people watch other sources of mediums now? Do you know why this show and our podcast numbers do relatively well? is because we are at least somewhat authentic. We say what we mean. I don't come up here and say crazy stuff just because I need to say something crazy just to get you to say something to somebody else and pass it along that, hey, that guy's an idiot. It does work though, because humans are flawed. It just frustrates the hell out of me that that is the article that you wanna put out at this time. You want clicks? You want clicks, man? I don't even know the dude's name. In fact, I could care less to have it. But if you want clicks, I got an easy one for you. Talk about how this is probably the craziest, most difficult decision-making process of what you should do with Joey Votto at the end of his career with four home games, or uh, what is it, three home games left now. Does he play or not? You want to get people riled up and arguing? Do that. And I would say that's actually formative. That actually, that actually means something. Instead, you want to pile on a 21-year-old who's already struggling. It's crazy. So here's my ask. Here's my ask. And maybe in a roundabout way, if this guy's got a big brain, maybe this is what he was trying to do. I doubt it because he looks like, based off that headline, there's not a whole lot of big brain there. However, <laughs> this is my thought. The Phillies did something with Trey Turner, okay? He was struggling bad. And, and the guy that we loved in this town, Nick Castellano, said, 
you know what? These guys are all human. Trey Turner's an unbelievable player. He's gotten paid because he's worth that much money. We need to support him, rally around him. And that's what the city needs to do with L.A. De La Cruz. Not tear him down. They need to rally around this kid. Because he is one of the few chances that he could come in and save the day. Elliot just said that there's nobody coming to save us. There's one guy that if he starts playing what he's capable of playing with, he changes the whole dynamic. His name's Ellie De La Cruz. So when Ellie De La Cruz comes to the plate, I want the same energy we had when he came to the plate against the, the Atlanta Braves. Ellie chance, standing ovations, do whatever you got to do to show the kid that you're supporting him. You ever had one of the toughest moments of your life? You felt terrible about something you did? We've all done it. We've all been there. We've all had incredible remorse in our heart. Where there's nothing that you would love to do than to do whatever it is over that you feel terrible about. Ellie De La Cruz doesn't need to be told right now that he's not good at baseball. He's doing that to himself. He's been doing that to himself for the past two, three weeks. He's pressing. He's trying too hard. He's allowing the outside noise of what he's supposed to be to affect just his God-given ability of going out there and playing. Some people want to say that it's pitchers are making adjustments and the league's figured them out. Oh, bullshit. He's not that bad at baseball. Period. No matter who's pitching. He's not that bad. The reason he's been this bad for the past month is because of the mental. All up here. And the last thing that's going to help that is to have a fan base or a local media jump on his case now and say that he's not good and he's going to be a bust. Are you here to help or are you here to hurt? Are you a fan that wants to see your team succeed or are you a fan that just wants to complain all the time? Because just like that moment when you felt terrible about what you did, what's the thing that actually could have helped you out? What was it? Somebody screaming and yelling at you? Telling you that you're terrible at whatever you just did? Or somebody telling you, you know what? No big deal. You're human. You made a mistake. It's okay. Life's going to get better. Time heals. Sometimes we all need it. Yes, people get put on a pedestal and you might think that they're stronger willed than others. People might think that Ellie De La Cruz has nothing to worry about because he's rich and he's He's famous and he's 21 years old and he plays a game for his job. And those things are relatively true. But it doesn't matter if the person themselves don't feel that way. And all I'm asking is this. Can we provide some positive energy around Ellie De La Cruz? If you can't go to the game to support him, I don't care. Send him a, send him a, send him a, not a text message because you probably don't have his phone. Send the dude a DM. Send the guy uh, an at on Twitter 
telling him that you love watching him play. You're looking forward to watching him this weekend. He's, he's going to be back. However you want to word it, I don't care. Just show the guy positive energy and tell him that we love him. Because we do. But if that's the clicks you need, WCPO, to make the pay the bills per usual, find a better way. Find a better way. I don't know more what else there is to say about the Reds because I don't want to keep beating a dead horse. And I, I again, don't want to sit here and sound like this guy that, 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 that wants to, to grandstand and act like this is the way you need to fan. That's the other. But, but, but in all seriousness, if you want to have a reasonable conversation about what actually helps as a fan and what doesn't help, I can promise you this. Screaming and yelling about how bad somebody is right now when they're 21 years old and they're already dealing with their own struggles of, of, of this game, beating them down, isn't helping the cause. Um, we have a lot of other things to get to. We have the NFL to talk about. We got the Bengals to talk about. We have draft or die at the end of the show, fellas. Um, Segwaying off the Reds, unless you have one last thing to add to that. I had one last. I just, I just wanted to say. I, I think, first of all, the clickbait, the the clickbait headlines, whatever. They, that's how they're going to make their clicks. That's how they're going to make their money. Uh, it, it is a click business, so I kind of, I mean, I don't respect it, but it's just how it works. Ellie De La Cruz has been bad. I mean, you can't sugarcoat it. He's been one of the worst players on the team for two months. But I, I do think there is a there's there's an aspect to this, and it's the intangibles. It's the stuff that he brought to the team early on when he when he first debuted. There's there's other stuff to Ellie De La Cruz. There's other things that Ellie De La, De La Cruz can do for for the team other than just get on base, hit baseballs, and and field. So I, I think Ellie's very good at the intangibles. I think he's a leader down there. I think he's able to provide the spark that this guy said that was a bad thing. Ellie's a spark. It's a bad thing. I don't, I don't get that. that. Trace was right. That was kind of crazy. But Ellie De La Cruz has been bad. He was benched yesterday. There was, there was merit to the article if you actually read the article instead of the stupid headline that he made. But at the end of the day, we have six game, eight games left of this season. I, I think there's a better time to, to write that article than yesterday. Ellie De La Cruz, I don't, I don't know if you'll, if you'll be the Ellie De La Cruz we saw in the middle of the season, but if he's able to compete just a little bit here at the end, just a little bit, the Reds have a chance at the postseason. And that's in large part because of Ellie De La Cruz and what he did during that one month, one and a half month stretch there. So Ellie De La Cruz, though he's been bad and he has been bad, he was benched yesterday, rightfully so. There's still time for him to turn it around just a little bit here at the end, just a little bit. Get the Reds in the postseason. Whoever wrote that article is a troll. And personally, I hate trolls. <laughs> That's why this show's elite. That's, I didn't see that coming from a mile away. I didn't see that coming at all. And sure enough, right there, I was right in front of him. That's the best way to get off of what seemed like we were getting to be a heavy topic there for a minute. Uh, some super chats. Derby, stardom. Says, I feel so confident, especially if the Pirates win tonight. Bell and the Reds are going to run the table, baby. He didn't say baby, but I added that. <laughs> I could feel it. Also, I love Casey and Jacob's NFL show. Great show. Yeah. Mac and JT, baby. Thank you, baby. Um, we got another super chat from uh, our man Chi-Town. says, regarding Ellie's mental, reminder to reach out to 988 if you're struggling mentally. 
You're beautiful, and I love you. God, Chi Town's the best. Chi Town, what a what a what a, uh, what a what 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 a super chat. Hey, man, it's true. We all struggle with things from time to time. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. In fact, your boy here's struggling. I'm running on fumes. If we're being honest, I need these I need these bashes on short vine. By bashes on short vine, I mean the Chatterbox Sports Bash on short. That's vine. right. Um, I need I need these things to kind of wind themselves down. You know what I'm saying? They're wearing me out. Now I need Tom to get back. Have an update on Tom as well. Oh, wow. so I'll get to that in just a second. Um, but I just want to say here before we segue in, um, we're going to try to make, and I don't know if we have, uh, do we have a cherry on top already? If we don't, I'd like the cherry on top to be Trey Turner's situation. I'll, I'll get you the link throughout the show. Okay. You want the Trey Turner standing ovation? Yeah, and I want the, the I want the uh, what happens right after. Okay. Which is pretty cool because sports are cool. Um, I I did see in the in the in the chat. I, I think the crowds this weekend are be good. I do. I have a confidence. I have confidence in that. I really do. I think, are you going to weekend game? Are you going? To uh, I'm gonna go. I I am gonna go. Um, Sunday for sure. I'm going Sunday too. Um, Sunday for sure because I know what Sunday means. I've said it a thousand times on this show. If you've watched the show at all, you know what I'm gonna say. And you know what? It's a shame that they don't report on that. It, 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 it genuinely is. I don't, I don't know why that isn't the lead story right now. I mean, it should be. Why, why, why is that not the main story? I don't know because nobody wants I – I, I don't understand it. I really don't. I'm, I'm, you can tell right now I'm a little like my brain's in a pretzel. It usually is because it's not very high-level thinking in, in, in the first place. But in general terms, Joey Votto's last three games – his last three games ever – Probably ever, unless this postseason brings some magic, are this weekend. So it's it, it's it's so wild to me. It's like it's like I have a hot take here with this. People come at me like, "How do you know? Like, what, what is that? Is this really hard to see?" I love Joey Votto. But he's a shell of himself. He's not who he once was. He's in a situation yesterday with a guy on second base with nobody out, and he takes strike three, and the whole entire baseball is inside the strike zone, and he is screaming and yelling and arguing with the home plate umpire. Do you know why? Because he's frustrated. He knows what's going on here. He won. He wants to help the team. And I just don't know if his body's allowing him to do what he used to be able to do. And two, he's got a lot of mental going on right now, too. There's a lot of emotion going on there, too. So I'll leave you with that for Red Stock. All right. Um, Joe Burrow, yes or no, plays Monday. Uh, my knee-jerk reaction is yes, just if you had asked me on Monday, I said there's not a chance in hell he plays, but just him saying that, he, it feels a lot better. It feels a lot better. Yeah, it, it makes me think that he's going to play. Yes, because if he doesn't play, the season's over, and everybody knows that. So if they want to end the season, they will bench Joe Burrow, and they will sit him. If they would like to do that, that's what, that, that's what would happen. But I don't think they will do that. So Joe Burrow plays. Yeah, he's going to play. He's going to play. I mean, he already played when he was 85% healthy, 90% healthy, so 
I just realized Casey shaved right did? there live on air. <laughs> yeah. What a wild thing that was. I mean, I've been sitting here for a while and, you know, from my angle, you kind of have the old school angle of what the show used to look like. You kind of have that uh, Mr. Wilson look to you. So <laughs> it's hard for me to see the full beard there. Uh, we have a buy or sell. Yeah. Uh, buy or sell usually uh, is a situation where Reed proposes a question and we either buy it because we like it or we sell it because we don't. And if you like the buy, it's... Buy, 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 buy! And if you sell it... Sell, 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 sell! There you go. There Shout you go. Out Jim Cramer. Shout out Jim Cramer. So here's the, here's the deal. We're going to do a little buy or sell. Mm-hmm. We got locals at 11. Mm-hmm. We got some Bengals talk. Mm-hmm. We got FC Cincinnati. We got FC Cincinnati. We got draft or die. And we got a little bit of vault action. Got Thursday night football. Maybe throw a little bit of money on that. We'll see. Shout out to Bedfred Sportsbook. The greatest sportsbook known to man. You beat me to it. And also, if you have a gambling problem, what do you do? You call 1-800-GAMBLER, 21 plus in Ohio. Read, buy, or sell. Casey, play that intro. Yeah. Buy or sell. Buy, 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 buy. Sell, 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 sell. Before we get into this, not to be insensitive to, because if you do have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. But it would be funny if you called 1-800-GAMBLER and he's like, hey, how big of a hole are you in? thousand dollars he's like all right put it on the put it on the giants tonight <laughs> it's a lock like we've got it we got it put it in baby that'll get you right back on the horse <laughs> once again not to make fun of that but it would just be funny if that happened all right let's do a buy or sell nfl week two edition or going into week three so we're two weeks in and let's see what we think about the nfl first question i have for you guys nick chubb took a gruesome injury um, this past week probably won't play, and in fact, he won't play for the rest of the year. They went out and got Kareem Hunt, the Browns did. Um, my buy or sell is that Jerome, Ho Jerome mm -hmm. Ford will rush for 1,000 yards this season. Sell, sell, sell. Sell, sell, sell. Yeah, I'm selling that. I, I mean, I think Jerome Ford will be good. I think he'll be good enough to play. But, I mean, I don't think he's getting 1,000 yards. I, I, just don't, I think the offense is going to go down here real soon for the Browns. I think the Browns are about to die. They got 15 games left, just 15, to let you know. 15 games left. Kareem Hunt's a bum. Uh, and, and Jerome Ford, as, as much as I love a Bearcat, but he's just not great. So we'll see. We'll see if the offensive line for the Browns holds up. If they do, great. But Deshaun Watson can't move the ball downfield, and you have to rely your entire offense on Jerome Ford. I would have a hard time believing that's possible. But we'll Tra see. Tracy, buying or selling that I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy. buy. Uh, 15 games left. He's already shown that he can run for 100 yards, even in a game in which he wasn't the featured back. Now he's the featured back. I'd like to think that, you know, he'll get to 1,000 yards. If he doesn't, it's going to be very, very close. I would I would suspect if there was a, a line to put out, that line would be around 850 probably, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess I'm taking the over in that situation. But I am going to buy. Casey? Um, so throughout Nick Chubb's career, last year he had 1,500 yards, 1,200 yards, 1,000 yards one season. He didn't play all, all the games. A, uh, another 1,400 season. I'm going to go ahead and buy. Bye, bye, bye. I think there's just enough games for him to get to 1,000. I don't know if it's going to be a dominant 1,000 like Nick Chubb's 1,500-yard season last year, but he's going to get there, if not very close. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm buying this. Um, I, I did the math. He's already got 150 yards, so he's got to get 850 on the last 15 weeks of the season. That rounds out to about 55 yards a game. The, the, the biggest question is whether or not how, how many snaps is he going to get. With Kareem Hunt back there, it's going to be a split load. Jerome Ford's still going to get the majority of the carries. Uh, with Nick Chubb and Jerome Ford, it was, what, like 80-20? With Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt, it's probably going to be somewhere closer to 70-30 or 65-35, or something like that. I still think he gets 1,000 yards easy because I think that that team is, is just built to run the ball. And with Deshaun Watson's struggles, they're going to run the ball a lot. I think he easily clears this. I think he might even get around 1,200 yards. So that's my buy. Going into question number two. The Bucks, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers... Started out 2-0 under Baker Mayfield. Obviously won the Super Bowl a couple years ago with Tom Brady. Uh, have made the postseason the last three seasons. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers under Baker Mayfield are a playoff team. Trace, we'll start with you. Is that a buy or a sell? Playing a bad division? I'll buy. I'll buy. Um, I think not just – listen, I know that in the past I've, I've said that Baker Mayfield can be a good quarterback in this league, and it didn't look like that was going to be the case for quite some time. He bounced around like a pinball. Um, and I don't know if it's because of Baker Mayfield as to why I'm buying this, but I just think they play in a bad division. I think that they've proven that they have a winning culture, and they've they've won. I mean, they've won, and they've continued to find game find ways to win. And when you start two and zero in the NFL. You're already, you're already ahead of the curve a little bit. So um, for that reason, I will buy. And maybe this is one of those weird situations like a Matt Castle or, you know, I'm trying to think of other quarterbacks that you could say that maybe Nick Foles-ish. I'm not saying that Baker Mayfield is going to end up being like a franchise-type quarterback. But for one year in the right situation, you get the right mojo, you get, you get some momentum behind you, you can play well enough to get to the postseason. I'm going to buy that. Did you – did you say you think Baker Mayfield's going to be a franchise tag quarterback? I said I'm not saying he's oh. going to be a franchise type quarterback, okay. like, but for one year you could be a Nick Foles, you sure. can be a, a Matt Castle, you can be a guy that Alex Smith ish, you know. Yeah, no, no, he can serviceable he can, enough to win. No, no doubt about it. I mean, they'll, they'll compete every every game. I'll go ahead and before Elliot and Casey get to this, but I'll, I'll, I'm selling. You know, three teams in that league are already 2-0 in that division. Um, I think the Falcons and Saints have, uh, I think the F Falcons have a better roster. I think the Saints have a better quarterback. So uh, I'm, I'm out on the Buccaneers winning the NFC South and I don't think that there's going to be a wild card team from that from that division. So yeah, I'm selling. I just I just think they, they had a good first two weeks. Yeah, I'm going to sell. I think Baker Mayfield's a bad sell, quarterback. Sell, sell. I think his career uh, completion percentage is right around 59%, 60%. It's okay. It's not great. I don't think he's a very good quarterback. I don't think that team's a very good team. I think it's a bad team. So I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it all the way. Baker Mayfield. You know who I'd compare Baker Mayfield to? It's a lot like Justin Herbert. Just not a very good quarterback. So, so Baker Mayfield, Justin Herbert, same type of quarterback. And the guy who I was trying to get a shot at there wasn't even paying attention. So Baker Mayfield, bad quarterback. Still didn't hear. Yeah, the first two weeks, the Buccaneers play the Vikings, who currently are on pace to give up four turnovers a game. Right. And the Bears, uh, they might be the worst team in all football. Uh, I don't have any faith in them right now. They're going to play an Eagles team and get absolutely destroyed. I think Baker Mayfield is not the guy for the Bucks, So I'm going to... Sell, sell, sell sell that 
Yeah, the thing about Baker Mayfield is, is in, in the Bucks situation is, is there's just not a high ceiling there. So it, it, it's almost, and I used to hate when people would talk about this, like you got to get your quarterback first before you can, can really do some real winning. And it just seems like they're, they've just mortgaged what they could do in the future. But maybe they think they have a good enough roster that's still holding on from when Tom Brady was there and they think, hey, let's, let's just get in the postseason and see what happens. But I digress. There's just not a high ceiling there from the Bucks, and I don't think they'll make the postseason at all. All right, um, Elliot was talking about Justin Herbert just a second ago. I'll go ahead and throw this one out here. More than one 0-2 team will make the postseason. And I throw this out because it seems likely that one 0-2 team will make the postseason because you're looking at teams like the Panthers, who a lot of people like, the Vikings, who won 13 games last year, the Chargers, the Bengals, the Patriots. All these teams can make the postseason. But will more than one team that started 0-2 make the postseason? Elliot, we'll start with you. Yeah, I think I think one team will make the postseason with okay, so an 0-2 sell. record. So I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell. I don't think it's the Bengals. I do sell, think sell, it'll be sell. the Chargers. I think the Chargers come back and sneak in. So other than that, I, I just don't think it's it's so, it's so difficult for it to happen. The Bengals have defied logic, and I don't like to say this word, but they've gotten lucky the past couple times. So, or at least last time. Sorry, but I, I don't know. I just don't. I I don't see it this year happening. So sell, 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 sell. Yeah, I'm, 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 going, I'm going to buy that more than one team will make the postseason that started 0-2. And, and the reason is, is I think between the Patriots, between the Vikings, between the Bengals, between the Chargers, and between, you know, what's, what's the other team I threw out there? Um, yeah, the Panthers as well. Maybe they're, they're not in the same echelon as there. But I just think there's too much talent there. I think that the Chargers have far too much talent to, to not turn this thing around. I think the Bengals, even with a banged-up Joe Burrow, have far too much talent. And I've liked what I've seen from the Patriots. I think two of those teams will somehow turn it around and, and get back into the postseason. It just seems unlikely that all of them will fall. I know that the, the odds are against them. It's like something like 20%. Only 20% of teams that start 0-2 make the postseason. Maybe it's even less than that. But I just think that there's too much talent from these 0-2 teams to not make the postseason. The reason that the, that the statistics bear uh, the 0-2 20% rule, right? And what I mean by that is if you start 0-2, you have a 20% chance of making the postseason. The reason for that is because most decent teams don't start 0-2. That's just not been the case the past few years for various reasons. The Chargers are a little bit of a, of, of a skeptical situation. I think Herbert's a really good quarterback, but how much better can he actually play and they still lose football games? If you look at Herbert's numbers the last two games, he's played pretty well. So I, it's not like there's a quick fix there, I guess, is what I'm getting at. So I don't really buy into the Chargers, per se. I certainly am not going to buy into the Vikings. I'm in a situation now where the Bengals, it's so up in the air. If you told me right now the Cincinnati Bengals were going to go 11-6, and six, make the postseason, be right back where they thought they were going to be when the year started, it would not shock me in the slightest. If you told me that Joe Burrow was going to be dealing with this lack, you know, knacking calf injury all year long, and they were going to win seven games, I would, I completely understand that one too. I think I'm going to buy it. Yes. I think I'm going to buy it. Buy, buy, buy. Um. And it's mostly just because of the Bengals, and I think one of those other teams will find a way in. Um. The Bengals are only one game out, right. really, of, yeah. of being right where you need to be, you know? And, and, and that's the thing that's hard to really rationalize sometimes when you get so close to the fire. You can't step back and see how big or small it is. 
perspective <clears throat> perspective is the greatest thing in life it's the thing that actually makes everything else make sense and uh, i think perspective on the Bengals has gotten lost a little bit it all comes down to number nine it always will come down to number nine and if number nine is healthy i like the Bengals. if number nine is anything close to what he's been the last two weeks and i get it reed's gonna say well, what about the third and fourth quarter i don't care he's got to be healthy he's got to be able to escape pockets and the last thing i'm going to say to that is this if you got a chance um who's the stud that plays for the uh, micah parsons Micah Parsons does a little bit of a podcast, and he brought up the Bengals, and he mentioned just that about Joe Burrow. If Joe Burrow's healthy he, and his calf's not going to bother him, he's going to allow him to have escapability, then the Bengals are going to be just fine. So I'm going to buy it. Casey? Yeah, I'm also going to buy. What am I um, Mainly because of the Bengals, but also um, I have a lot of faith that, you know, the Vikings can maybe sneak in still. Chargers. I don't have a lot of faith in them, but they, they usually win about nine, ten games a season as long as they have a good game script. And I really like the Patriots. I like what they've done. The thing that really makes me confident in this take, though, is that there's only two teams in the AFC that have two wins. Everyone else has one win, one loss. So they're really only a game back behind most of the, the, the opponents in the AFC. So that's why I'm going to buy. Um... That's why I'm going to buy. All right. We got two more of these. We'll, we'll make these quick. They're, they're more about grand um, NFL things. When their quarterbacks are healthy, the Ravens and the Finns, the Dolphins, are the best teams in the American Football Conference. They've cert- they're the two 2-0 two teams. They've certainly looked the best of the AFC this year. When they are healthy, and they've, they've not been healthy, Tua and Lamar Jackson have missed about half the games over the past two years. When their quarterbacks are healthy, they're the best teams in the AFC. Sell, sell, sell. We're selling it again. I think the Dolphins are. I think the Dolphins, if completely healthy, are the best team and could be uh, a Chiefs-type hybrid. Their offense is dynamic. It's pretty, it's pretty insane. The, the Ravens, on the other hand, are, are damn good. Lamar Jackson is very good. He's elite. I still think the Ravens lack uh, depth from, from the wide receiver category. Odell's great. An old, aging Odell is fine. But at the end of the day, you have to rely on Mark Andrews to be a number one wide receiver. I just don't see it. The injuries. I mean, I guess. I, I guess you're. I mean, you are technically right. If they're completely healthy all the time, uh, they're very good. I just don't think a, a completely healthy Ravens team beats a completely healthy Dolphins team. I don't think they beat a completely healthy Chiefs team. So that's where I'm at. I think the Dolphins could be Ravens, not so I sell. Uh, let me let me back into this in a way. I think that us as football fans have forgotten how good the Ravens are when Lamar Jackson's healthy. It seems like every year we're four or five weeks into the year and we're like, Lamar Jackson's the front runner to win the MVP this year. And then he goes down with an injury and then we forget because Tyler Huntley and the Ravens just run the ball and just play a sloppy game after that. I think we often forget how good Lamar Jackson is, and he threw some really nice balls on Sunday. He, he obviously is dynamic in the pocket and can run a bit. That being said, I just don't think that either one of those teams are the best teams in the AFC because I still hold that the Chiefs and the Bills and the Bengals are the best teams in the AFC, and you could call me crazy all you want. You really can, but I'm selling this because I think that, as I've said, I hate to do this on this show all the time. I think Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen play the game, and I think that the Bills are just have knockout blows. I don't I don't know what else to say other than I've seen Patrick Mahomes do things that I've seen no other quarterback do. So I'm selling. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. 
seen Patrick Mahomes do things he's never seen anyone else do. Like what? I mean, what did he do? What, what exactly is that? I have, nobody else has done? This guy gets put on a pedestal more than anybody I've ever seen in my life. I will buy that, by the way. I, I'm going to buy okay. that. I, I do think, but here's the thing. They're not going to stay healthy because it's the NFL. I've been trying to tell everybody, you can't have a quarterback that runs around and then one guy's away. Like like Elliot said, he's a bike. He's a bicycle crash away from, from being out of the league completely. So, And I don't mean to make fun of that, but that's the truth. Um, I, so I guess in this hypothetical situation, do I think those are the two best teams in the AFC? I do if they're completely healthy, but they won't be. They won't be. Because there's a reason that you build football teams around certain identities, um, certain certain cultures believe in certain things. Uh, it feels like uh, it feels like the Dolphins and the Ravens are more of like your Pac-12. You know, I think Tom sat up here and said that they had to do pillow fights. Uh, and, and the Ravens defense is very very good. I'm not trying to yeah, say that. Say but my point is, in, if you if you shrink it down to the NFL, those offenses are very very kind of uh, they are. A little outside the green. They're relying on they're relying on guys to stay healthy that are very very dynamic. And usually, the faster you are, the quicker you are, uh, the more you, that you run, the higher likelihood at some point there's going to be a problem. Um, so that's that's the same concept of when guys throw 104 miles an hour. That's all good and well, but your body's just not really built to be able to do those types of things for an extended period of time. So at some point, those guys that throw 104 miles an hour more than likely are going to have arm problems. Same thing with these guys that are really, really fast. It, it, it'll be surprising to me that if Lamar Jackson and Tua stay healthy this entire year, my guess is they won't. Uh, but I do think that they're the two best teams if they do stay healthy. Um, I'm going to sell. Sell, sell, sell. I'm going to sell. I think the injury thing is a huge problem. I know the question was based off of if they're fully yeah, healthy. But... Miami, they already have been – they've already shown that they can get scored on. They don't have right. the best defense out there. They rely on having to outscore their opponents. I think that's going to catch up to them eventually. I think Baltimore, if they played anyone that could get pressure home, like Kansas City, I think they lose that ball game yesterday. I know they're, they're a great team, and they proved a lot against a, a Bengals team that – we all think has Super Bowl aspirations, but let's be real here. They they just could not pressure Lamar, and he looked terrible against the Texans when they got pressure home. So they play a team like Kansas City. They play a team like the Browns, Steelers. I want to see that happen before I uh, dub the Baltimore Ravens a good top-of-the-league team. Okay. Okay, final one. We'll do this quick, and I'll go right back to you, Casey. For this, the NFC is better than the AFC. Oh, boy. Um, no, it's not. Hell yeah. It's, it's not. I'm going to sell that because there's a reason why everyone's one and one in the AFC, and that's because there, there's so much talent in the AFC that they're all beating up on each other. So the, the, NFC, the, the AFC is in a tough spot. I mean, you got teams like the Bengals. The Chargers, the Patriots, who are 0-2, who all have potential playoff hopes. The Browns, they just lost Nick Chubb, but before that, they were they were looking at playoffs. Uh, the Colts are an up-and-coming team that I think a lot of people are underestimating them right now. Buffalo is Buffalo. The Jets were really good, 
with Aaron Rodgers. I don't know about that anymore. Pittsburgh's defense is elite. Jacksonville, up and coming. I like what they have. And then we have Baltimore and Miami. You go look at the NFC side. They got the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Eagles. And then the talent drop-off is significant. It goes the Falcons, who I'm going to bash on my Falcons a little bit. Desmond Ritter. 2-0. He's 2-0, but, I mean, that's going to catch up to them eventually. I don't expect that to continue. Derek Carr and the Saints, they've played nobody. They played the, the Panthers, and they played the Titans. AFC team. Yeah, but th- those are nobodies. Those are th- those two teams have no playoff aspirations. The Buccaneers, they played the Bears, the and they played the Vikings. The Titans, to be clear, the Titans are nobodies, is that what you said? Yes, they're nobodies. Gotcha, okay. And Washington Commanders have also played nobody. They just so happen to beat the Chargers, who you guys are defending. The Titans? <laughs> well, the t- yeah, I, I'm just saying that the well, – I'm not the Casey, biggest believer. Right I'm not the biggest believer in the Chargers, but they, they will win 10 games. Because they play in the AFC. No. No. I mean, what, 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 you buy oh, or sell um, uh, the, what, what, What's the question NFC again? is better than the AFC. Buy. Buy, buy, buy. Buy. Buy, buy, buy. Buy, buy, buy. Buy, buy, buy. Buy, buy, buy. Buy, Right in a row. Maybe the Dolphins. You could convince me the Dolphins might be better, but it doesn't matter because their quarterback's not going to be ready when it matters the most. So it's hard. It's hard for me to look at the league and say, okay, what are the best teams in the NFL? NFC, NFC, NFC. Maybe AFC, but then NFC right after that. So they have three. Of the, they have three of the top four. They have three of the top four. Yeah, I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm gonna sell it because I think the AFC is better. Now, Trace is somewhat correct. I mean, if Tua, if Tua Tungavailoa is walking in a forest and an acorn falls on his head, he's done for the year. I mean, that's just a fact. That's just. I mean, I don't want to make a joke about it, but that's just a fact. He's he's dealt with a lot of head injuries. He is. If he takes one more hit, he's done. And that's not. That's like it's it's just a fact. He, he physically can't take the, any more shots to the head. Lamar Jackson, same deal. A lot injury prone quarterback. Now, if all these teams in the AFC stay healthy, AFC's way better, and it's not even close. Jaguars are a decent team. Chiefs are damn good. Bengals, if they're, if they're healthy, very good. Ravens, very good. Steelers, competent. I mean, I, we have the, the AFC has whole divisions that are competent. Uh, the NFC just has three teams. I mean, they legitimately have three teams. So, And they especially don't have the NFC North, which is the worst division in football by a wide margin. Yeah, I mean it does. It, I mean, if you guys haven't figured this out already, yeah, I'm selling this by a million miles. And the so, reason so, so. is, and we can talk about the Eagles, we can talk about the 49ers, we can talk about the Cowboys being the best teams in the NFL. But I'm not buying that either, simply because, listen, it's a quarterback-driven league. It always has been. It always will be. And we're looking at two of the teams that you think are the best teams in the league and their quarterbacks are Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott. And you can say Dak Prescott has looked damn good for the first two weeks, and you'd be right. You can say that Brock Purdy looked damn good in week one, and you'd be right. But these guys aren't the same as the Patrick Mahomes, the Justin Herberts, the Joe Burrows, the Josh Allens, the Lamar Jacksons, the Trevor Lawrences. Tua. Tua. Media, 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 If you look – I'm being dead serious. I'm being dead serious. If you look at – What the hell has Trevor Lawrence ever done? He's won a playoff game. He hasn't done shit. It's so a playoff game. Oh, he beat, yeah, he beat the Chargers. <laughs> Who you love. Who you, yeah, you I love, think the Chargers You, you love Justin Herbert. You love Justin, Justin, Justin Herbert. They got one player. They've let Justin Herbert down his whole career. No, Trevor Lawrence no, has the exact same amount of like playoff that. wins as Dak Prescott. So we'll go ahead and, and say this. 
if you look at, if you had me rank the top eight quarterbacks in the National Football League, seven of them are in the AFC. And that's why I think the AFC is better because I think it's a quarterback-driven league. I digress. We'll find out. They get to play football games. I just think that sometimes it's like since you don't have this glorious quarterback that the media, you know, basically puts in front of your face all the time telling you how good they are, how good they are. Oh, look, it's Trevor Lawrence. Look how good he is. Then at some point, yeah, you're going to believe that these quarterbacks are really, really good. I, 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 I just find it funny that somehow the three best teams in the NFL always get just, you know, basically discredited because of X, Y, Z. They don't have this. They don't have that. They don't have, they don't have a quarterback. They, they don't have one thing. Yeah, that's it. All right. That's, well, that's fair. All right. We're a little past time. Luckily, we're on the internet, so it doesn't mean anything at all. It doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter one thing at all. It doesn't matter at all. I'll say it again if you need me to. But it's 11-10. We usually are supposed to do this at 11. But you know what? The NFL talk got in the way. So without further ado, we're going to send it to Elliot's Weather. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks, Chip. Listen, today's another beautiful day in the city of Cincinnati. A lot of smiling faces, a lot of joy. Uh, today's going to have a high of 70, high of 80, low of 50, low of 60. <laughs> Does it matter? Doesn't matter really. Uh, if your daily routine is going to be ruined today because of a one degree difference in the temperature that I say, I can't help you. Right? Weather is not going to change in the next couple of days. Maybe the next week. I don't know. I don't know when it's going to change. We have a radar for that. If you want to do that, you can go check on your phone. You don't have to listen to me, but that's, that's where we are. Uh, go lay in the grass today. If you, have, if you have time, go outside. Take a step outside. Go lay in the grass and just pray you don't catch whatever mutant allergy that I caught within the past three months that makes me cough every morning. Uh, again, I, I don't mean to keep harping on this. I'm a meteorologist. I try to stay professional and not uh, push my personal life on anybody in this room or in, or in the audience, to the viewing audience. But again, I've had a cough for three months. I've gone to multiple doctors. The weather outside's perfect. Why do I still have a cough? I just don't know. I just don't know. Uh, there's really no scientific explanation. Uh, precipitation chances, they are at 0% today. 0%, and that's unless it rains. So precipitation chances are at zero, unless, of course, it rains. Then, of course, the precipitation chances would go up to probably 1%. I don't know. But if it rains, there's a precipitation chance. If it doesn't rain, maybe not a precipitation chance. I don't really know. Uh, weather will do whatever it does. I can't really change it. Neither can you. Just go outside. Just go outside. Read a book. Have a nice day on the lawn. Have a campfire. Chip, you, have, you like campfires? I um, can't say that I do, but I don't mind other people that do like campfires. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's good for you, Chip. Listen, go outside today, uh, enjoy the weather, and just remember a meteor could wipe us all out at any moment. I mean, really, really, when you check the weather of every day, uh, I mean, you got the tides, there's a climate crisis, apparently. I don't know, I'm not some kind of scientist or politician, because politicians know about the climate. Um, but go outside. A meteor could kill us all, like the dinosaurs. So, do you think the dinosaurs cared about the weather? You think the di Let me ask you a serious question. Do you think the dinosaurs went outside when a meteor was wiping out all their friends and family, and they're like, oh, 73 today? 74. You think there's, hey, hey, dino, do you think there's a chance of rain today? I don't know. <laughs> Just not really, right? They're all fossils. They're all dead. It could be us. All right, Chip, back to you. That's the weather for the day. Again, I haven't changed the weather graphic in two weeks. It's not going to change now. It's not going to change then. Uh, if it gets to 80, it's 80. If it gets to 70, it's 70. There's a, just, go, just, just go outside. Go outside. Check your phone. You don't need to watch the news tonight. Uh, again, news tonight, if you want to know, a lot of murders. A lot of murders. <laughs> I mean, there's just an abundant amount of murders in this city. And they will tell you all about it tonight on the news, local news. But here's the weather. Chip, back to you. 
Thank you, Elliot. I really appreciate the weather. Uh, can we get like a seven-day? Two things I'd like for the next segment, if we could, possibly on the uh, Elliot's weather. Yeah. One is uh, one would be one would be if we could get the camera to focus actually in on you. You know, where where you don't you're not blurry. And then the second thing would be, can we can we mix in a seven-day forecast, perhaps? Well, that's what's funny is it is the seven-day yeah, forecast. Right. It's the same weather for seven days. Let's just run through it right now. The seven-day forecast literally changes every day. And if it doesn't change, then what's the point of it? So let's go through it right now. I don't have the graphic, man, but let's go do it. Today, 58.82. Tomorrow, 59.83. Saturday, 55.75. Sunday, 50.75. Monday, 50.75. Tuesday, 50.75. Wednesday, 50.75. Thursday, 50.75. I mean, I can do this all day. People get paid for this. I mean, people are getting paid for this. It's crazy stuff. I mean, it's just crazy that people will get paid for this. Hey, 11 o'clock, what's the weather? I don't know. It hasn't changed in the last two months. It hasn't changed. The only change is if it rains. Is it going to rain? I don't know. Precipitation chances, 0% unless it rains, which again, we just don't know. How's that for your seven-day forecast, Chip? Appreciate it. Now I feel prepared. Uh, one thing that I've always wondered about um, is that What's the point of going out and buying all the bread and milk as soon as it might sprinkle a little snow? You know, can we get a, can we get ahead of that this year? Can we say, you know, just there's a good chance that if if if, uh, if things hit the fan, kid show, that you don't need to buy five gallons of milk and you don't need to buy ten loaves of bread. It is a wild concept, I must say, because those things expire. They expire. So if you get stuck in your house for an extended period of time, those things aren't good anyways. Am I missing something there? Canned food, understood. There's things called perishable items. Those are the things that you kind of want to stay away from. Yeah. Why is it always milk, too? I mean, I, listen, milk's fine. I like milk. But, like, why not get a good drink? Like, just, I mean, I, if you're going to be trapped in your house and all you got is milk, I mean, what are we doing? You're not going to be having a fun time. Hey, honey, our power's out. We've been trapped in our house for three months. Why don't you go get the milk? Fred That'll make said us feel that better. people can't drive in the snow. Well, I got, I got a great thing for those folks, Fred. They deliver groceries now. They actually bring it to your house. I don't know. One day, one day, one day, I hopefully can make it to the age of 80, maybe. We'll see. The way it's going right now, at least the last three, four weeks, there's no chance in hell. But if I do make it to 80, I assume that I will be in a misery of, of, of ignorance, of, of basically ignorance is bliss, where you just are like, you're just as clueless as I'm all. You know, yesterday I'm at United Dairy Farmers, love United Dairy Farmers, was getting myself some ice cream in case the Cubs uh, ended up beating the Pirates, and then the Cubs won today again, and then I was going to be in a situation where the season might be over, and I was just going to eat some ice cream to make myself feel better. And this lady, God bless her soul, of course, is trying to check out. And when I tell you, you would have thought that we were trying to solve the world's crisis by trying to figure out how to put your credit card through the credit card machine. I mean, we were struggling bad. And I thought to myself, man, if I ever get to that point in my life, that will be a great day. Because at that point, really, if you think about it, you got nothing to worry about. It's just like, oh, I don't know how to do it. Shucks, I'll keep going on my way. We'll all get there. 
I'll be there one day. I don't know what it'll be. It is interesting to think about, though, for a half a second. What is it exactly that is going to be so technologically advanced that we are not going to be able to even fathom on how to do it? Did you ever think about that? Yeah, I mean, that's an Elon thought right there. That's a guy who just loves Elon Musk. <laughs> Making thoughts about what about technological advances? No, I don't really think about that. I'll do it. I'll, if you make something for me, I'll use it. I mean, I, I don't know. I, can cars fly? Can cars fly? Maybe. We'll get there eventually. There's that plant in Dayton that's going to start making flying cars. Yeah, it's. Uh, I can't wait to be an adult or like a – I am an adult. I can't wait to be <laughs> like a grandpa and hate whatever the grand the kids are getting into. Like, yeah. oh, this – this is so terrible. And we all do it. We all think that we won't. We all do it. Trace, you brought up uh, delivering groceries. Yes. I don't think there's a worse service going on right now than, than delivering groceries. Because there's nothing worse than you say, like, can I get four pounds of chicken breast? And they just use their discretion. They get there and they're like, ah, they're out of chicken breast. It's like, oh, yeah, I bet you Kroger's out of chicken breast. Got and they get pork. you one single can of shredded chicken instead. They're like, this is a good substitute, right? You know, you wanted four pounds of chicken breast. Here's six ounces of shredded chicken in a can. This is exactly what you wanted, right? This will get your dinner. I think delivering <laughs> groceries is the worst is the worst thing on, on the planet right now. Well, I hate to hear that from you. I think that it's uh, for, for a guy that doesn't order groceries, it seems like a great deal. I don't know. I, I, uh, I'll tell you one thing I do wish I could start doing uh, is start doing some more things that you would traditionally do if you didn't have someone else do them for you, like go to the grocery store. Because uh, when I go to the grocery store, there's things that I walk down the aisle and I'm like, oh, yeah, I really do like that. The problem is that I end up spending way more money than I expected to when I first walked in. But I still am not going to buy into the fact that you can't order your groceries and get some bread and some milk delivered if we're in yeah. a time of crisis. And if there is a time of crisis, again, there's a couple other products that you can use. One of them being what, Casey? Like Pony Water? That's right. Yeah. You can, yeah, that's right. Go ahead, Casey. Sorry. I don't want to mean to interrupt. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't heard, there's a new premium alkaline water. Out. It's not so another bottle today during the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow. Drank it all already, guys. Nick it's that good. Pawnee Water. This stuff, best tasting wine in the world. Check them out at pawneewater.com. P-A-H-H-N-I.com. Water.com. <laughs> to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Uh, made right here in Hamilton. Uh, made with natural limestone filtration. Unlike the other brands that use artificial processing. And let me tell you, this stuff... We'll knock the socks off of you. Reed, what is it for you about the uh, the the water, the uh, Pawnee uh, water? Yeah, for me, whenever I take a nice gulp, like a nice uh, Pawnee water, oh. I can taste the natural limestone filtration. Just every time I take a nice, it's just the natural limestone filtration for me. I don't know what it is for you. I know for Casey, he loves the pH balance, which also yeah, you can taste yeah. when you make it. For me, it's ice. the smoothness. For me, it's the smoothness. It's the taste. It's everything about it. I just drink Pony water, and I feel better about myself, and I feel better about the world. Also, Roger said no free ads. Brother, United Dairy Farmers is the presenting sponsor of this show. <laughs> it's literally the ad. It is literally the ad. Uh, presenting sponsor, United Dairy Farmers. Right here. They got great ice cream. I mean, I don't know how else to tell you, but they have elite level ice cream. They do. Have you ever had their homemade brand? It's very good. Okay. Casey, is there another is there another one? Yeah, there is. There is. <laughs> Encore technologies. <laughs> 
Lock it in. Lock it in. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Encore Technologies is uh, IT provides IT solutions for Nintendo <laughs> services from mobile computing to desktop to data center. <laughs> Supporting both centralized and work from home computing modules to prove efficiency and productivity. Productivity. Boom, 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 boom. Productivity. Something I'm not being right now very productive. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Get your coffee from UDF. Bet on Betfred. Drink Pawnee water. Get your technology solutions from Encore. And real quick, before we get back to sports, we're going to get right back to sports. This is a very serious sports talk show. Casey, I sent you a DM of Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman is an actor in Parks and Recreation. If you don't know, he plays the one of the characters, Ron Swanson. And, Isn't and, that the Office ripoff? It is the Office ripoff, uh, created by the, actually the same people. So it's not really a ripoff because they're the ones who did it. Uh, but Ron Swanson is a character who has a beard, but when you take away his beard, he looks like Casey is now. I mean, he literally looks like Casey to a T. I mean, it's almost, it's almost scary. So I wanted to get this picture up. Everybody in the chat was saying it. Nick Offerman, Ron Swanson, Casey McAllister. They're all the same people. And Ron actually killed animals in that show, too. Did he so really? there's, the similarities are, well, are, I'm, are... I'm about to pull it up right here. Let me, let me... I mean, this is... I mean, it's just wild. Here we go. <laughs> I mean, it's the same guy. It's just the same guy. It's literally the same guy. So Ron Swanson, shout out Casey McAllister. Had to do it. Our chat is getting bonked at a ridiculous rate today. Guys, lock it in here. <laughs> Stop with the bonks. I, I mean, quit it. Quit it. Yeah, I heard him talking about beef sheets. Beef sheets, golden showers at all. Bonk, the bonk rate of today's chat is off the chain. Quit it. Quit it. Trace, get the show back on the rails. I'm trying to. You know, everybody else comes in here. I want to run a serious sports talk show. I want to make Ron proud, and here we are. Natty Ron is not going to be pleased with this show's performance so far, so we'll get it right back on track. I do just want to let everybody know that uh, at the end of the show, the cherry on top is going to be Trey Turner standing ovation. Same thing I said about L.A. De La Cruz. I really do think you can rally around players. Uh, Philadelphia is known as a city as brother, city of brotherly love, which is kind of a joke because they're not very nice there. Um, but what they decided to do was do the opposite. They're like, you know what? We usually boo all these guys. We're not going to do that. We're going to rally around them. <clears throat> We're going to give them a standing ovation. And here's what happened. For those that are wondering, since Trey Turner's standing ovation, he's 16 home runs. That ties to the most in MLB with Kyle Schwarber. He has 41 RBIs, the most in Major League Baseball. Is it a coincidence? Maybe. But I'd like to at least, let's, it's in the playbook, let's run it. It's in the playbook, let's run it. So we'll finish the show on that. If you've not seen that, it's pretty cool. I mean, that's what makes sports different. That's what makes sports different. Um, getting this show back on track requires us to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. It's do or die time, fellas. It's do or die time. The Cincinnati Bengals win the football game if the Bengals score X points. 
Uh, against the... I'm always so bad at this because I, I don't like just gauging this stuff. I mean, obviously, if you get the 30 points, you, know, you got you to gotta like your chances. Um, yeah, I mean, somewhere in the mid-20s, uh, 24 points, sure. Sure, I, I, I think that the... Like I said, I think the Rams are, are being slept on a, a, around the league. I still think they've got a pretty good roster, and I still, I mean, they've got it's an older roster, um, but they've got some they've got some names, right? Matt Stafford, Aaron Donald, who both will be in um, Canton one day. That being said, I I, I, I don't know. I, I just want to see the the Bengals put together a full game. They don't. Oh man, I, I don't like putting my back up against the wall here. They don't need to win on Monday. 0-3 isn't a death sentence, but over the next four games, if they don't get to 2-4, and four, that is absolutely a death sentence. Obviously, you'd like to be 3-3 three and three or better. 0-3 is pretty much a death sentence. I mean, it's 0, with this schedule, it's 0-3 is pretty much a death sentence. Rams are a beatable team. You have to beat the teams that are beatable. They are 0-2 against beatable teams so far. You can't go 0-3. The Rams have played well. I think the Rams, like Reed said, have been slept on for a while now. I think they're better than people think, and they're still without their best wide receiver in Cooper Cup. Rams are good. Rams are good. The, the Bengals have scored two total offensive touchdowns this season. Not going to get the job done. If Joe Burrow can look like a, like a I mean, uh, some, some, a ghost of himself, then, yeah, I think the Bengals win this game. I think if they put up 28 points, uh, I, I, you have to, I think you have to score 28 points. You have to score. You have to score points. The Bengals have looked terrible in doing so. Absolutely terrible. I think two and four, if, you, if you're attaining for two and four heading into the 49ers and Bills, Season's over there, too. So I, right now, tread water is a little di di different because we're at the bottom of the ocean. We're, we're nearing the bottom. You have to swim up. You have to fight back at this point. It's not like the Reds. We're, we're in the race. You, you kind of have to you just tail off, hope the other teams lose a little bit, and just keep floating. Right now, you're, you're, you're sinking. you got to wait on your, on your feet, and you're sinking to the bottom of the ocean. If you lose this, you will be at the bottom of the ocean. 0-3 is difficult to come back from if you have Joe Burrow, who is not healthy. If Joe Burrow is not healthy, 0-3 is an impossibility to come back from. I'd have to agree, Elliot. Um, I think what makes that situation worse is just they haven't, you know, going down 0-3 means that you have to win four games just to get above 500. And That is true. I mean, I mean, it's simple math, but, like, you're always going to be down three games from here on out, theoretically. So... I think the Bengals need to win. I think 27 points gets it done. I was going to say four touchdowns, but that's asking a lot to double your touchdown amount. So I'm going to say 27 gets it done. But that means the defense really needs to show up this time. They really need to get some stops here. They need to just show up, man. If they just show up, I think we got this. If they don't show up, if everyone's still sleeping – I'm worried. For for those that are worried about the Bengals' offense, I know I've become a broken record about how they looked in the second half, and you, and you can make fun of that all you want, but going back to their final five drives of the game on Sunday, they got in the red zone four times. And they scored in three of those five drives. Obviously, the interception was the, the, lone, the lone exception. So, I mean, this offense started to turn it on. It's just in a game where the, the Bengals only had seven possessions on a Sunday. It's just got to start earlier. When you know you're playing a Baltimore Ravens team and, and the Ravens are, and the Rams aren't like the Ravens team, you, you, you got to turn it on a little sooner. I think the Bengals are going to have more possessions on Monday. So, yeah, mid-20s looks, looks very, very obtainable as long as Joe Burrow's out there and playing, which we'll know more about that this afternoon. 
What's crazy to me is that this offense, and as I, I'm pulling something up here, this offense always gets like the, 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 the first topic of conversation. It's Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. We've done this before. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Should we include Irv Smith Jr.? I don't know. Probably not. And the first thing that, you, that Casey just said is something I feel like many Bengal fans somewhat agree with, which is 20 point, 28 points is kind of asking a, a lot. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe you guys can rebuke that or you can, you can, you can you know, dispel it right now. But I just have a hard time believing that you pay a guy 219 guaranteed. You got all these guys that everybody's like, how you can't extend these guys. They're the best guys in the league, this, that, and the other. And we're talking about 28 points is hard. Like, at some point, that should be the reason you win games is because of the place that you're trying to spend all your money. And the reason this team's won a lot of games, to what I've said before, is because of the defensive side of the football. To me, as an outsider, again, I don't follow this team nearly as closely as many of you do. But as an outsider, I'm just here to say, that sounds concerning. It sounds wild. <clears throat> the same city that wants to crush Hunter Green because he's done XYZ and he gets a little bit of a contract extension turns around and now we're saying 28 points is a lot to ask out of Joe Burrow? Am I crazy for thinking that? I'm trying to pull up the the like the top offenses. I mean, 28 points. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at the top top um, average per game, and only one team surpassed 28 points a game last year, and that was the team that won the Super Bowl, the Kansas City Chiefs. So yeah, 28 points in the NFL is a lot of points. And I know I know it's an average, so you you say half the games you go in the 30s, and then half the games you go in the low 20s. But yeah, I listen, Trace. You you've been hammering home the point that this defense has has guided this offense, and yeah, the defense has been very good. And certainly in the postseason, that's been the case. But in the regular season, this offense has been damn good. Like I said, Joe Burrow has surpassed the franchise record in touchdowns in back-to-back -back years. He's thrown for 9,000 yards. And even 10 months ago, Trace, you were arguing that Joe Burrow should have been the MVP in the NFL last year. You, you sat there when you had a host for, for uh, Tom and said that Joe Burrow should be the MVP over Patrick Mahomes, over Jalen Hurts, and everyone else. So to sit here now and say that the defense is the reason that they win games seems a little hypocritical. But like I said, like I said, this offense is the team is what's going to lead us into the promised land. Yeah, they haven't played great in the postseason, but in the regular season, they've been fantastic. They, they averaged 26 points a game last year. So this this offense will turn it around. They showed that they turned it around in the in really that that whole Ravens game. Other than the first two drives, their offense was very good in the Ravens game on Sunday. I just think at some point, Trace is right, at some point you have to show up a little bit more than you're showing up. The Bengals are Super Bowl contenders. At some point, you just have to become a Super Bowl contender. Last year, they were great during the 10-game winning streak. They were streak. Super Bowl contenders, yeah. They were. They, they were. But I'm saying, I'm saying at some point, like, you have to be the best in the league, uh, objectively, for the entire year. I think the Chiefs have been that for quite some time now. So, we'll get there. I just don't think it'll happen under Zach Taylor. I could be wrong. And I know I'm not a blame-the-coach guy, blame-the-manager guy. But I'm looking at Zach Taylor right now. And every single season, you're seeing a pattern with this with this team. They struggle early. They don't play their starters in the preseason. The offense looks stale at, at various points. And and right now, 
I, I think you need a you need a head coach that are, that is able to design plays for Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd. You need somebody in there that can run these that can run plays that that knows what they're doing. And I don't think Zach Taylor does. Zach Taylor was one of the worst offensive coaches for the for the for the University of Cincinnati Bearcats. He was not a great offensive coach for the Rams. So I, I mean, they scored the Rams scored three points in the Super Bowl. So I Zach Taylor. I, I love Zach Taylor. I think he's a culture guy. I think the culture matters in, in, in a professional sports franchise. But at some point, somebody else has to call the plays that's not Zach Taylor. And that's where I'm at. It's a fair question. I mean, I, you've heard Casey McAllister over there who watches a lot of football complain about the lack of creativity on this offensive side of the football for quite some time. And you know what? Winning cures all, doesn't it? Winning also eliminates any criticism. I think Zach Taylor, for all intents and purposes, has done an unbelievable job. How could you say that he hasn't? However, it just feels like from an outsider, again, that this team, every time I hear someone bring him up around the city, the first thing, the very first thing they all talk about is obviously the quarterback, rightfully so, and they talk about the weapons they have, and they talk about the offense. Then the defense gets brought up after, which is fine. But at some point... <clears throat> To Elliot's point, it has to be the specific reason as to why this team is elite. And maybe that a combination of the defense and the offense last year certainly makes it elite. Sure, I'll buy into that. And, 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 and in all intents and purposes, in order to have a Super Bowl team that is going to win it all, you have to have all sides of the ball be pretty decent. Very rarely have you ever seen a team have a just terrible defense win a Super Bowl. So I'm not suggesting for one second that, you know, it's all the defense or all the offense. It's just that one side of the ball gets a lot of the credit. And on one side of the ball seems to always get the backside of all of the compliments. Now, on a show in which I'm telling you to rally around Ellie De La Cruz, the example I'm going to use right now, maybe not go towards that, that thought process, but it seems like the offense is Ellie De La Cruz and the defense is Matt McClain. Where, yeah, they're both great. One looks unbelievable at times. But the truth is, is that the one that gets brought up second or third all the time is the one that probably is the most consistent and the one that you rely on the most. And to a certain extent, that's where I'm at. This offense, back up against the wall, has to go out there and score at minimum 28 points. I know you, I know you might win the football game not scoring 28 points, but I'm saying if you want to hang your hat on the fact that Joe Burrow is that guy and Jamar Chase is that guy, and T. Higgins is that guy, and Tyler Boyd's that guy, and Joe Mixon can be that guy, then guess what? It's put up or shut up. 28 plus. No excuses. That's where I would be as a Bengal fan. I, listen, if you look in the NFL, I don't know how many teams you go, you're, you're saying you go around the city and you hear everyone talk about the offense. I don't know how many NFL teams you go and talk to their fan base and and they're talking about the defense. There's a couple that come to mind. The Cowboys, who haven't, who haven't amounted to much in 30 years. The 49ers, who lost in the NFC Championship last year. But every other team, you're, you're focusing on the offense because that's just how fans go, right? I mean, offense is a lot is the shiny thing. Um, but I, when was I the last say, time someone brought up the Ravens and said their offense? When was the last time someone brought up the Steelers and said their offense? Today, I talked about the Lamar Jackson and, and how... Yeah, that's fine, but I'm how, saying in general terms... Oh, he's you a top five quarterback. A, I just debunked your myth like in two seconds. When was the last time the last year the Eagles, everybody was like, oh, they're offense. They didn't. They brought Jalen Hurts was an MVP they brought candidate. Up, they brought up their defense first. 
Every time someone brings up the 49ers last year, what'd they bring up, Reed? Okay, the, none of these teams that you've mentioned won the Super Bowl last year. All right, what about the what, what about the Seahawks back in the day? You think they you think they brought up uh, what, what they bring up their offense? They bring up the fact that they were elite defensively. Okay, that was what a decade ago. So so out of all the teams that have won that have won so the Super Bowl recently, the, you're hanging your hat offense. on the Chiefs. What about the Patriots? I mean, yeah, they had Tom Brady, but yeah, everybody... they're the greatest quarterback of all time. And they had one and that's the... who people talked about was Tom Brady. Yeah, and that specifically was it. And then they brought up the fact that Tom Brady, there were people that would even argue, and myself included, that they thought that maybe it was Bill Belichick in the defense the whole time. Like, that was a debate. I mean, if you're, if you're talking, if you're, if you're asking me who NFL fans talk about more, whether it's offensive players or defensive players, that seems like a losing argument, Trace. That seems like a losing argument. I'm but I'll say this players, about the teams. Bengals defense. I'm talking about the Bengals defense right here and now. And I'll put, this, I'll put this point out here. The offense wasn't the reason that the Bengals lost on, on Sunday. I truly believe that. It was the defense because the defense never got off the field. The Bengals had seven possessions, and in five of the possessions, they moved the ball downfield. Yep. I agree. It was the agree. defense never getting off the field. It was the fact that the defense couldn't get off the field is the reason that the offense only had seven possessions. When you're giving up 170 rushing yards to the Ravens, when you're giving up 400 yards of total offense to the Ravens, then yeah, it's the defense that loses you that game. The defense had chances to get the ball back multiple times, and they never did it. The Bengals go down and tie the game with two minutes to go in the half and halftime. And what do the, the, the defense do? They let the Ravens take the lead going into the and, game. And, and then the Raven, and then the offense goes down. It makes it a three-possession game. We give them three minutes. Hey, can you you got two chances to stop them and give us the ball back to win? Defense doesn't do it. It was the defense that lost the offense, that lost the Bengals the game on Sunday, and, not the offense. And to be fair, Reed, that like I've I've been trying to say this to you guys, they just had some bad breaks. Like they had a turnover, they had that strip sack that changed the game completely. Right. They had multiple sacks and opportunities that stopped them on third downs that either resulted in a penalty or whatever. And if you look at the OBJ play, for example. The ref wasn't even looking at Cam Taylor Britt when he threw that holding call on Cam Taylor. And that's a an automatic first down. There's just stuff like that that they just didn't go their way. So I don't even think really like I don't think the defense is completely gone. I think it's still there. They just had some really bad breaks last week. I think it's going to be okay. Like in all honesty, I think they're fine. I think they will look like their old selves again. And on Monday, I really do truly believe that. You have to bet your life that the Bengals make the playoffs right now. Do you do it? Yeah, I'd do that. Basically, am because if they don't, then what's the point of living? <laughs> Pretty much. I it's mean, fair, but it, I mean, they also they also just like you said before, they can't afford to go in three. To trace if they go on three, their season is done. To listen, trace his point a little bit though, in the Browns game, the defense was the sole reason the Bengals even had a chance. Correct. So, no, listen, the, the the way that the offense played in Week One was inexcusable, and that's why all the offensive stats, if you looked at the season long. That's why they're so skewed is because they played that terrible in week one. But going into last week, the offense looked, other than the first two drives, looked great. Legitimately looked great. They had 35 passing yards in the first half. Yeah, I mean, they only had three drives in the first, in the first half. That's because the defense never got off the field. The Ravens had eight-minute drive after eight-minute drive. So they had three possessions in the first half, and one of those led to points. The first two drives were three and outs. One was negated by a holding penalty. The second was abysmal. And this is what, when people were like, we got to get Joe Mixon started earlier. I mean, go look at the play-by-play -play in the first half. Where do you want Joe Mixon to get some carries? Because I can, I can run it through you right now, exactly what happens. 
the first two drives. You ready for this? First play, six-yard screen pass, makes it second and four. Second play, we hand it off to Joe Mixon. He gets us a first down. Oh, wait, it's a holding call. It's now third and 14. Okay, we got to pass the ball. Or a second and 14. Did you want to run the ball then? No, we pass. Third and 14, you want to run the ball then? No, okay, we punt it away. Second drive, we hand the ball off to Joe Mixon. He gets not a yard. So it's second and 10. Do you want to hand it off to Joe Mixon again? No? Okay, we threw the ball. You want to hand it off to him on third and 10? No? Okay, we threw the ball. So when people are sitting there talking, we got to get Joe Mixon started earlier, where in that game plan did you want to get Joe Mixon going? Because we tried the second drive and it got nowhere, and then you had to pass the ball. And then we did it on the first drive, and it got negated because of a holding. So I don't know what people are talking about. I, I, I just don't understand what you're talking about when you say we got to get Joe Mixon early. I just don't understand it because they tried when they had opportunities, and it didn't work. Like I said, the offense played great for the final five drives of the game. They really did. They got in the red zone almost every single possession for the final five. And here's the situation, though, as Bengal fans, you're getting ready to face. You're going to have spending. You're going to be spending a lot of money on the offensive side of the football. So, one would suggest if you're spending a bunch of money on one side of the football, then you would think that that side of the football is probably going to carry the load. That at some point is going to be a real thing. Might not be now because of just the way that the contract's been set, obviously with Joe Burrow, but at some point that's going to be the case. Jamar Chase's contract's coming around the corner. <clears throat> we'll see what happens with T. Higgins. But for a team that's going to require and or need their offense to be elite, they're not in the top five, and they're going to need to be in the top five of football. Kansas City Chiefs, I said that you need to score 28 points on Monday in a winner-go-home game. Last year, uh, in excuse me, in 2022, uh, the Detroit Lions averaged 27 points a game. The Dallas Cowboys averaged 27 points a game. The Buffalo Bills averaged 28 points a game. The Philadelphia Eagles averaged 29 points a game. And the Kansas City Chiefs averaged 29 points a game. That was 2022. 2021, the Dallas Cowboys averaged 30 points a game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers averaged 30 points a game. The Buffalo Bills averaged 30 points a game. The Kansas City Chiefs averaged 30 points a game. The Los Angeles Chargers averaged 28 points a game. The LA Rams averaged 27 points a game. If you're going to pay everybody on one side of the ball, you need production out of that side of the ball. That's what it's going to take. I'm saying, without a shadow of doubt, if I was a Bengal fan and I was walking into Paycor Stadium on Monday Night Football, I'd fully expect my offense to score 28 points. Anything less, I'd be disappointed. I get this is the NFL. You're not supposed to score a ton of points. I don't care. Push comes to shove. This offense has been abysmal for a game and a half. You've played two games of football out of eight quarters. They've been terrible for six. We always say water has to find its level. Well, guess what? Water's going to have to find its level on Monday night. It's going to have to happen quick, too. It's, it, they have to have some sort of urgency. Because I can't watch these first halves where they just don't. I mean, it just appears like they don't try. I mean, the, the play calling is bad. It is. It is bad. The offense has been bad to start these games, and I can't do it anymore. If they're going to start out and they're going to have 35 passing yards on three drives on Monday night, I'm going to be upset about it. I am. If you're going to go three and out, three and out every time, or if you go three and out, then punt, 
I'm done. I, I can't do it anymore. The Bengals had the ball on the, on, on the opposite side of the, of the field for, against the Ravens after a turnover, and they did nothing with it. They didn't move the ball once. They didn't move the ball even a little bit. So there has to be some sort of urgency. has to happen. And I, if, if it doesn't, then the season's over. If they, if they come out and they don't show up against the Rams and they're 0-3 and Joe Burrow's hurt, there is no excuse for it anymore. The season's over. Yeah, one thing that I'm really hoping for this game in particular – I really want the Bengals to get the ball first. I want them to get the ball first, move down the field, score, so they get into this game script where they're ahead. They like to be ahead of ball games. They like to be in control to where they feel like they can afford to run the ball with Mixon because they're up. That's, that's the perfect scenario is for us to get the ball first, score, get a stop, be up seven to nothing with our next offensive possession. I hope that happens. I think if that happens, we'll be in a really good spot. I think uh, the Bengals will. I think the Bengals will score 28 points. Just to be clear, guys, they have nobody on the Rams' defense except for Aaron Donald. And yes, Aaron Donald is not had a lot of stats, but he's still Aaron Donald. He's still very dominant. Okay, but that's no excuse. They've got nobody in the secondary. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd should have a field day. Now, whether or not this offense will allow them to do that because of play calling, we'll see. I mean, they just gave up 30 points to the 49ers. So, Brock Purdy's led 49ers. We'll see We'll see what happens. Ultimately, what, what Reed pointed out, though, with the whole Joe Mixon thing, I think that happens oftentimes after losses, and I think it's fair what Reed said. You can always point back and say you should have done you should have done things differently. It all comes down to getting first downs. If you go three and out, three and out, three and out, it's tough to get anybody going. You don't have enough plays to get guys going when you're not getting first downs. And to Reed's point, I, I, I think that you, <laughs> if I was a Bengals fan, and again, I don't, I don't try to interject and say this is what I would want to do. Blah, blah. I mean, you got Joe Burrow. That's what you, that that ultimately is the man that everybody points to and says, this is what makes the engine go. You got to give Joe Burrow a chance to get start. You got to let him cook, right? Let Joe Burrow cook. How many times last year we hear about people complaining about them running the football too much and not letting Joe Burrow throw the ball downfield. If anything, I'd argue you got two elite receivers. I know it sounds ridiculous and you, you've, you've heard your man, number nine, say it before. I just, whatever, Jamar somewhere, throw the ball. I mean, the, the way the NFL rules are, Throwing the ball downfield to T. Higgins is going to result more likely, more times than not, in a pass interference call, a caught pass, or an incompletion. So I'd like, if I was a Bengals fan, to try to see him throw the ball down the field a little bit more, but we'll see. The good news is this. If you're going down to the game on Monday, there's a chance that you're going to get to see us. Uh, don't 100% know exactly what the details will be with a show or how we're going to manage all that. But we will be right outside, of, right outside of Paycor, right where the uh, no free ads, but there's a waffle place right there. What other stuff is there over there that's somewhat close to that area? We'll be in between a Taste of Belgium, or you're talking about where we're going to be. Waffle able, place, no yeah, free ads, but yeah. Yeah, okay, waffle place, and yeah, I mean, it's just the final block of the banks before you get to Paycor. There you go, yep. Uh, we'll be right in that area. Um, should have a, I think we'll have a video board, um, and then we will probably be doing some fun stuff in the street, handing some stuff out around tents and enjoying uh enjoying life down there on monday night so to be clear we're gonna uh, Ellie, do you know what the there. weather is for monday night is it good i should well i don't well, even it's, have to it's, it's, it's between it's, 50 and 75 for the next 50 and 75 for the next month yeah so All right. we're good cool to be clear we are going to be down there at the banks 
doing a show, a live show. That's the thing I'm not 100% certain of because of the space is, to be honest, I don't know if there's enough space for us to, they have two 10 by 10 areas, folks. Uh, it's hard to do a setup in a 20 foot by, what would that be? 10 feet? That's what it would be. 20 foot by 10 foot's tough. So we'll see what we can do. I don't know. No, no promises, but um, we'll, make, we'll make an announcement certainly on, uh, on Friday what we will be doing, which is tomorrow. Uh, update on Tom. Doctor said that it will be right around the six-week mark that he is allowed to return, which will put him back here. Let's see here. Don't want to lie to the people. Um, put him back here right around at the latest. At the latest, I think he'll be back here right around October 21st-ish, somewhere in there. Maybe a little bit before that. So... About a month. Yeah, about a month. Maybe just less than a month. Some of this, Tom's Tom's going to ask. He misses you all so bad. He said he's, he's missed this show a ton. Can't wait to get back. He's going to ask the doctor if he can come back a little bit early. Told him don't be like Joe Burrow and come back too soon, though. Is that a bad joke? Eh, it's a little too soon, but that's okay. If we win Monday night, that joke will play. But if we lose Monday night, I mean, we're in a bad place. Next four weeks. It's, it's, Monday night ain't the end of the season. But four weeks. we gotta, we got to win three of the next four. I love Reed's uh, mental he's putting himself in, which is fine. We all do it. I, listen, we all do it. It's the I easiest four-week stretch of the season, and if you can get the three and three out of the bye week, then then yeah, it's that's that looks that looks pretty good. And I was just about to type this out, and I'll say the the final thing because I don't want to. Please do. I don't I don't want to argue anymore about any of this because I, I I'm making bad points I guess because I'm getting killed in the chat for. For saying insane things, so I apologize for not. It's not bad points. You're just it trying was, to say that you think that you don't have to score 28 points to be a good offense, and I just think that ultimately, at the end of the day, we're we don't see eye to eye on that. But I understand what you're saying. Uh, I think that you've watched so much Bengals football and you've had so many good defenses that you take it for granted. But go that's, ahead. That's not a bad take. I mean, certainly during the the Andy Dalton era, there was there were some good defenses there. I if people, I'll make this point. If people want to kill the offense for playing bad for six out of the eight quarters. Um, that's fair because that's absolutely true. But I would argue it. Look at the opposite side. The Bengals' all defense looked fantastic for the first two quarters against the Browns, and since then have given up 40 points to the Ravens and the Browns and, and have been getting gashed and never could get off the field. So I would flip that on its head and say, look in the mirror about the defense. And then secondly, I, I don't have a point to say about this other than Jamar Chase is crucial to the game plan, but I looked up. T. Higgins obviously has been the leading receiver for the first two games of the year. Um, or at least this most recent game. I looked up in T. Higgins' career. He has been the leading receiver for the Bengals 23 times in a game. In those games, the Bengals are 10 and 13. So I don't, I don't want to read into that too much, but I think it's just a, a unique stat to say that one of the best receivers in the league, when he leads the team in receiving, the Bengals don't play well. And I think that is just because if Jamar doesn't get included, this team's offense is is significantly less dynamic so i'll throw that point out there and i digress that's fair um all right this is the point where i rely on everyone else in the room because my brain is really Power really rankings. basically uh, uh, a soup at this point there's too much going on at one time Power rankings yesterday my heart was broken i've been to great america ballpark i guess what felt like four huge games three of them were certainly bigger than the one yesterday no doubt uh, yeah, I did watch the Giants come in and do what they did to us, and that, that, that broke my heart every time I walked out of the stadium. Um, yesterday didn't feel nearly as bad, but it still felt pretty bad. 
We got NFL power rankings right before we get to uh, the final point of the show, and I will leave you with the United Dairy Farmers cherry on top uh, situation. That is the power rankings of the National Football League. Who are we going to start with? Casey? I don't have I, – I have the stink list, so yeah, this is you guys. Oh. Reed Mouse, who do you want to start with, buddy? Yeah, sure. We'll go with me. I'll start with me. Um, yeah, go and throw those up there. So these are my f- five power rankings. I think that the Baltimore Ravens I, – I asked the question earlier and, and buy or sell if, if we think that the Baltimore Ravens are one of the best teams, if not the best team in the AFC with Lamar Jackson healthy. I said yes. I think that the reason that I have the Chiefs ahead of the 49ers and the Cowboys is simply for this reason. I think there's a few elite teams in this league, and Jalen Hurts is an elite quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is possibly the greatest quarterback I've ever seen play the game, and that's why I have the Eagles at one and the Chiefs at two because I can't put the Chiefs at one because the Eagles have just looked better. That being said, I know the Cowboys have had the two most dominant wins. Um, Just I, I I can't get behind Dak Prescott, and I can't get behind Brock Purdy. So that's that reason. You might notice that the Dolphins, who are America's team at this point, are not in the top five. It's because I think they've got... They're an exciting offense. They've obviously got a great offensive threat. I just I just can't. I, I think if the Ravens and the Dolphins play each other, I think the Ravens win that game. That's fair. That's fair. Casey, mine? Look at this one. This is a great list here. This is a great list. All right, so we have the Dolphins first because the Dolphins have played the best. Their offense is dynamic. This is an offensive league. Uh, I, I love to, a healthy Tua. I, I love a healthy Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Raheem Mostert. Dolphins are damn good. You go to the Cowboys. Cowboys have arguably played the best. They've dominated two games, absolutely destroyed two, two games. Dak Prescott really hasn't even had to play, essentially. So I, I think the defense, if they're able to continue this throughout the season, I think the Cowboys are a Super Bowl contender. The 49ers, very, very good as well. An elite defense, an elite rushing attack. I think Brock Purdy's okay. He's serviceable. I think he's a lot like Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think the 49ers can win the Super Bowl, but what I do think is the the 49ers can obtain the one seed and the NFC, and I think they will eventually falter in the NFC championship game. At number four, we have the Bengals with a healthy Joe Burrow because if the Bengals are healthy, they are one of the best teams in the NFL still. That, That still remains a point. So uh, I know they're 0-2 right now, but if Joe Burrow in a 32nd in offense, 28 in defense, that's not great. Uh, but with a healthy Joe Burrow, things will change around. Uh, we'll, 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 be, we'll be okay. If Joe Burrow becomes healthy, Joe Burrow will be fine. The Bengals will win 10 in a row again. And number five, we have the Jets with Aaron Rodgers. Because if the Jets had Aaron Rodgers, they would be one of the top teams in the AFC. They don't, unfortunately. But those four snaps that Aaron Rodgers were on the field with the Jets, those were the best four snaps of all time. So, Jets number five with Aaron Rodgers, four Bengals with Joe Burrow, healthy. Number three, 49ers, two Cowboys, number one Dolphins. There we go. How about that? All right. Uh, my top five. Well, it looks familiar, doesn't it? I'm going to see how long I can keep this going with the same top five. Because uh, <laughs> I think that's an elite level brain where you don't have to change it. I think the Cowboys are number one, 49ers, two Dolphins. I will slide in there, three and the Philadelphia Eagles, obviously, coming off the Super Bowl run. They still stay right at there at four. And then the Chiefs, uh, because the Chiefs do have a good quarterback. I'm not going to say you like Patrick Mahomes is horrible. That'd be dumb. But I don't know if he should get as much praise as he always does. That's kind of where my rub has always been with him. But you know what? That's just being a little bit of a hater, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's being a little bit of a hater. And uh, it's okay. You know what they say. At least they say on Hard Knocks. I heard it once. They say, if you don't have haters, you ain't popping. So... 
Maybe that's the goal in life. Maybe that's what your goal should be is to, uh, to, to work as hard as you can to get as many haters involved as possible. So the more haters you get, the better off you are. I don't know. Lord knows I got them. Yeah. Breed Mouse is at the top of the list. Just, just and, popping like Orville Redenbacher. <laughs> <laughs> and I know Trace has a, has a final point to make here at the end of the show. But, Casey, we had another big win in the city. It feels like we, nobody's even talking about it. The hype last night was elite. I was at a bar playing trivia. Shout out, champions, on uh, whatever road that is. I don't know. But nice for you. I heard I heard what happened because I was, I was playing trivia. I was trying to answer questions right. And a faint one person. It was a packed house, probably about 50 people in the bar. Uh, one person just yelled, "Woo!" That's because FC Cincinnati tied the game in the 98th minute because minutes don't matter in soccer. It's just whatever minute you want to score, you can just have it. I mean, it's just crazy. There's 90 minutes you play, but unless asterisks, you get to 98. That's when they scored. So the FC Cincinnati team, they kicked a penalty kick in the 97th minute, 98th minute, doesn't matter. It wasn't in regulation. It was in asterisks time. So FC Cincinnati getting asterisks tie, that's apparently a point. So they get a point for the standings. That's good for FC Cincinnati. They're, they're, they've clinched a playoff spot, and they're ready to roll. What a game. One-to-one. -one. A lot of action. Well, actually, Elliot, there, there was kind of some action. Uh, oh, I bet. FC, FC had five shots on goal. Mm. Uh, they were dominating, at least in, in terms of uh, shots. They, they were the only team, really, to get any shots. The one opportunity, or the five opportunities that Montreal had – they converted on one, so kudos to them. But they pretty much got outplayed the whole rest of the entire game, and then the better team ended up on top with the penalty um, being given out um, to uh, Montreal for the penalty kick. So very, very lucky for FC to get that draw in, and in the uh, final minutes of extra time. They drawed the week before against Philadelphia. <laughs> and uh, we really need a win to just solidify that number one spot. They play. Next week they play. Or actually, not next week. It's this Saturday. They play Charlotte. They, they need to win that game. They're better than this. They're better than that, that team. So, simple as that. There you go. Simple take care of business. Elliot wants them to take care of business. <laughs> I mean, what are we doing? Oh, friendship. <laughs> friendship. It's just friendship, fellowship. That's what we've got. FC Cincinnati, I didn't hear what Casey said really right there, but I'm, I'm sure they're going to be great. To the Gold Cup they go. That's, the, what's the, what it's, that's what it's called, right? The Championship Cup? The Gold Cup? It's the MLS how many, Cup. How oh. many more titles, how many more tournaments do they play before <laughs> the end of the year? I don't think they play any more tournaments. <laughs> Why not? They're just going for the MLS Cup now. Going for the MLS Cup, guys. All right, sorry. That's, uh, that's, that's real what they are. That's, that's real what they are. That's what they're doing. You know what they, they do? They, just, they, they, they do sell out stadiums. All right. Final point I want to make on this show. There's not many times where I, that, I, that I really want something that we say around here to get, to get seen by a lot of people, but this probably is one of the few that I feel like uh, would be nice to, the nice to get a spread around the city. There was obviously the article that was written about Ellie De La Cruz. And the article in and of itself, as we all know, is very clickbaity. And you know what? For, for all intents and purposes, it probably did exactly what that news organization wanted. But the truth is, is that Ellie De La Cruz is, is good at baseball. 
He needs a little bit of help. He needs a pick-me-up. And there's a playbook in Philadelphia that this has already happened. Trey Turner struggling a little bit. Just signed a massive contract to play for the Phillies for 11 years. And Castellanos threw out the idea that perhaps you, you rally around the guy. And the fans took it by storm. Spread through social media. And the next thing you know, it was standing ovation night in Philadelphia for Trey Turner. Trey Turner, just so you know, has hit 388 with 16 home runs and 41 RBIs. Leads Major League Baseball in those categories since the standing ovation. If you want to call it a coincidence, be my guest. However, I think there's a little bit of uh, validity to the idea that when you feel the support behind you, sometimes it makes a difference. This city can help Ellie De La Cruz by showing him the support that he deserves because he's 21 years old. He's done nothing but come up here and, 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 and basically give us two and a half weeks of baseball that we'll never forget. And on top of that, if we didn't have those two and a half weeks, nobody would give a damn about this series on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday against the Pirates. So just once, maybe just once, if there's a chance that we could replicate something like that in our city, to pick up somebody that's down, to help somebody out that might need just a little bit of a bump, to get a reminder that Ellie De La Cruz, you are a badass at baseball. You are that guy. You are him. Just because you play a little bit of a bad stretch of baseball, it doesn't all go for, for naught. You still have every tool known to mankind to be the best, play, best baseball player in the world. You are the best baseball player in the world if you play at the top of your ability. And you know what? It's all mental right now. And there's one thing you can do to get back on track, and that is have somebody. And by somebody, it's going to have to be a collective effort from everybody to get this kid some support. Especially if the local media just wants to write ridiculous headlines and act like he's a bust. There's one man on this baseball team that could change the entire dynamic of it, and his name's Ellie De La Cruz. I hope, if nothing else, this weekend, if you go to the games, you show support for him. Obviously, for everybody else as well, but specifically for a guy that needs it when he needs it the most, and that's Ellie De La Cruz. So if you didn't see it, Trey Turner gets a standing ovation. He obviously went on, as I said, to hit 388. 16 home runs, 41 RBIs. This is what he did that very night that he got his standing ovation, and I'm just hopeful that perhaps we can have a same moment with Ellie De La Cruz if we do the same. I'm helping. All right, 
We got a big four-day stretch here in Cincinnati, don't we, with sports. A huge four-day stretch. We'll be back here better than ever tomorrow to talk about it. Why? Because we come your way every single day, Monday through Friday from 10. Hey! Hey. To 12. P! P. Which means we'll be back here tomorrow. We hope you join us. Take care, everybody.